Hi there, my name is Andrew Adams, and this is Don't You Dare Talk To Me, a podcast. Now listener, I just wanted to let you know beforehand, I try really hard to make sure that I pronounce everything correctly. Um, I even have stuff spelled out in my notes phonetically, uh, but sometimes my tongue, it just betrays me, so and I might mispronounce something. It's completely unintentional, though. I, I just wanted to put that out there. So, But today, don't you dare talk to me about lost cosmonaut conspiracy theories. Um, so, otherwise, I'm just going to go on a rant about it. So, lost cosmonaut conspiracy theories, um, cosmonauts, just to kind of put it out there, they're the Russian form of astronauts. Um, so they were under, uh, under the Soviet space program, uh, or the program of the USSR, or the space program of the USSR, um, which ran from roughly in the 1950s to 1991 at the state's collapse. Um, but during the time of the the Soviet space program, there was a lot that was accomplished. Um, so they in 1957, the uh, Soviet space program was able to launch the first satellite, the Sputnik 1. Um, they were able to successfully put the first animal in space on the Sputnik 2, uh, which was a cute dog named uh, Laika. Um, and then on April 12th, 1961, uh, they were able to put the first human in space, or the first man in space, which was uh, Yuri Gagarin. Um, so in this, all of this, as you may have already known, the U.S., so the West and uh, Russia were um, in this space race. They, they wanted to be like the top dogs when it came to like, you know, technology and having everything in space. Um, they just and plus, too, they wanted to kind of flex on the rest of the world to show them that, hey, we're the biggest and baddest when it comes to, you know, dominating outer space. So it kind of led to this this big pissing contest where. Russia would do something and then U.S. would try and one-up them and they would go back and forth for a while. So on April 12th, when they got um, Yuri Gagarin into space successfully, the U.S., they they just panicked. So they knew they had to get their booty in gear. Um, and then about a month later, they were able to get their man into space uh, who was – it was on – what was that? May 5th, 1961. Um, it was Alan Shepard. Um, and he was able to be shot up there into the big black beyond um, on a uh, Mercury Redstone rocket. So really cool stuff. And then as you know, like later on in the as the 60s progressed, um, there was just more and more tests. And te as technology advanced, they were finally able to – U.S. was finally able to get their man on the moon, Neil Armstrong, uh, 1969. So – yeah, it was just a whole big thing. But what kind of getting along to today's or getting around to today's topic is um, the conspiracy theories of lost cosmonauts. So the USSR was infamous when it came to covering up stuff um, or kind of sweeping things under the rug or behind the Iron Curtain, as as they called it. But that's just one of those things where, like, people people will kind of try and make ends of anything that they can to, you know, bring out some drama. So I want – and I thought it was really interesting, too, just to kind of, like, you know, during this whole space race, just this, you know, superpower trying to use, like, humans as, like, disposable guinea pigs for their, their space program, which is so, like – really screwy and really dark but also too it just makes you like you want to see if it's actually real or not so the two dudes though that really wanted to make sure that they were they wanted to prove that yuri gagarin was not the first man in space technically um was the uh utica and cordiglia brothers um so it's these two italian brothers it's achille and giovanni utica cordiglia um i i apologize again if i mispronounce those names but 
I did it the best I could. It's these two Italian brothers. Um, they claimed that around, it was like 1957, that they had started recording, um, like, intercepting transmissions from the uh, Sputnik program, as well as the um, transmissions from the Explorer 1. So, a little bit on these uh, Utica and Cordiglia brothers. These guys were the like the OG conspiracy theorists. So, like, if you ever seen like like X Files or or any any like TV show that has like that those crazy um, like conspiracy theorist characters and they got the tinfoil hats, just the most like extreme things, like trying to trying to sell these like theories to everyone that they encounter. This is pretty much what the Utica Cordiglia brothers were all about. They were like, they were these amateur radio operators, um, and they were like good old fashioned conspiracy theories. Like, if the, imagine how how hard it was before the internet to like, you know, try and get your conspiracy theories out there. So, these two dudes, they, um, claim, as I said, they claim to have acquired these uh, secret these recordings from these secret Soviet space programs. And so they set up shop in an abandoned German bunker, um, and they were working with old and scavenged and, like, improvised radio equipment in order to intercept these transmissions. Um, so their abandoned German bunker that they were using is based out of uh, Turin, Italy. And so they had claimed at the time that they had monitored the transmissions of the Explorer 1, which, if you're not familiar, that was the, uh, the first satellite that was shot up by the U.S., um, and put into orbit, as well as the uh, transmissions from the uh, Soviet Sputnik program. Um, and so these recordings, they included stuff like telemetry, uh, visual data, and most importantly, uh, voice recordings. So these audio transmissions. Mm, so, And these brothers claimed that they began monitoring, monitoring in 1957, um, and that the intercept proves that these interceptions that they were able to, to acquire of these transmissions proves that Yuri Gagarin was not the first man in space. So just kind of get into that a little more here. It's just, and this is the one thing where these conspiracy theories, it just gets really creepy. So you have these people that are being like being shot up into space and encountering all, like they're claiming that all these horrific situations happened of people being you know dying up or burning up upon re-entry or just being like suffocating to death in space or their their spacecraft being like launched out of orbit or it's like on an escape velocity just send them into like deep space and if you're not like too versed on how space works and everything if you've probably if you've seen like the movie uh gravity with what, what was it sandra bullock where like if you is if you're like un like unchained or untethered from like the the spacecraft or the satellite or whatever they're working on and you start floating off into space you are you're double fried fucked like there's no way of coming back from that and it's probably honestly i think it's one of the most terrifying things ever that's why i've never wanted to be an astronaut is just the the horrifying you know thought of just being like lost in this like eternal void until your oxygen runs out as you're just like spinning over and over and hyperventilating like sandra bullock the whole time it's oh my god what a nightmare so anyway, these brothers, um, in 1961, they claim to have heard uh, radio communications of sounds of a suffocating cosmonaut. So they um, had heard that for after about like November, what was it? No, yeah, it was in November 1962 that they were listening to about an hour of radio static before they started to hear an SOS signal that was moving further and further away from Earth before it uh, blipped out completely. 
So it really makes you think it's just where was this like, you know, cosmonauts? Was this astronauts? Was this other alien life? It could have been anything. But these guys, they seem to kind of pin it down that it was, you know, the USSR or the Soviet space program doing all these like, you know, sketchy kind of experiments with trying to trying to, you know, get a one up on the West in the space race. So which the, that was the thing too is the Soviet space program they were all about disposable vehicles so when it came to like you know testing satellites and everything a lot of their stuff didn't have um, like reentry shields like stuff that would allow um, the craft to make it from orbit back down to Earth safely so a lot of it was just like to prove that the concept that they were able to get this up there and that it was able to orbit a certain amount of times or like make a circuit of the Earth and then come back down anyway I. I <laughs> Again, another little sidebar. I I am not a professional, um, like space person. Like I I have no merit when it comes to space knowledge or anything of the sort. This is purely just from my own interest in it and just kind of little tidbits of research that I've done. But anyway, so these two dudes, these two brothers, um, they got a, over the course of four years, they got a total of nine recordings. Um, and I just want to kind of run through some of these recordings just to kind of, um, you know, just just to get a feel of what they encountered or just kind of the creepy stuff that they encountered. So May of 1960, um, a manned spacecraft reports that it's going off course. Um, the May, November 28th, 1960, a faint SOS code was sent from another troubled spacecraft. Um, in February 1961, a cosmonaut is audibly recorded suffocating to death. On April 1961, a capsule is recorded orbiting Earth three times before re-entry, uh, just days before uh, Yuri Gangrenin is um, shot up into space to uh, be the first man recorded to be in space. So a little, little confusing there as to what that capsule was and if it was carrying a uh, cosmonaut at the time. Then we get on May 1961, um, an orbiting makes or what was that? An orbiting craft makes an appeal for help uh, while losing control and drifting uh, into orbit. And then on October 1961, a cosmonaut loses loses control of his spare spacecraft and veers off into deep space. Uh, November 1962, a capsule misjudges reentry, bouncing off the atmosphere um, and off into deep space. November 1963, a female cosmonaut dies uh, upon re-entry. On April 1964, a cosmonaut is burned up upon re-entry. So lots of different, you know, really creepy recordings of... And these are not these are not official or documented deaths. These are just purely um, theories based off of the, uh, the brothers' recordings that they had claimed that they had found or that they had um, intercepted while, while kind of monitoring the... Um, the uh, Soviet space program's transmissions. So it's really creepy too. So I, and then I, one of the ones that stood out, the one of the ones that popped up a few times of one of their, um, more, more infamous recordings was the, um, reentry of the female cosmonaut. So when I was doing the, the research and looking stuff up for this video, I came across, um, the transcription of the female cosmonaut's final minutes or the tran the transcription of the transmission, um, of the female cosmonauts final minutes. So when I was reading around on it though, it kept giving me conflict. I kept getting conflicting information from the different, um, articles that I was reading. So there was one that claimed that it took place in 1961. One claimed that it was taking place in 1962. And then 
The other one that came up was that it was recorded in nine or intercepted in 1963. So it could be any of them, or it could be one of them. Either way, I thought it was a pretty intriguing uh, kind of transcription. And it also, too, it came across with the video of the, um, like, the transmission of this um, this female cosmonaut's final minutes of her trying to re-enter. Um, and it's it's very garbled. It sounds like it's, like, talking underwater. But just the, the thought and the kind of panicked speak of this person, it's really creepy or unsettling to kind of listen to just because of the fact that, like, as you know, this person is... You know, they, you know their demise, but listening to it, you don't know, they don't know at the time that they're going to die soon. So it's a very horrific thing to listen to if it's true. Um, but anyway, I just want to take a quick second here and I want to be able to read this transcription just to kind of show you the kind of the unraveling of it. So this is the transcription of the uh, Utica Cordiglia brothers, um, the, the, tra or the transmission that they intercepted. So listen, listen, come in. Come in. Come in. Talk to me. Talk to me. I am hot. I am hot. What? 45? What? 45? 50? Yes. Yes. Breathing. Breathing. Oxygen. Oxygen. I am hot. Isn't this dangerous? It's all... Yes. How is this? What? Talk to me. How should I transmit? Yes. What? Our transmission begins now. 41. This way. Yes. I feel hot. I feel hot. It's all... It's hot. I can see flame. I can see flame. I feel hot. I feel hot. 32. 32. 41. Am I going to crash? Yes. Yes. I feel hot. I feel hot. I will re-enter. So that's the that's the just reading off of the English translation from Russian. So listening to the actual recording itself is very unsettling just because it becomes more and more like you can hear in this person's voice that it just becomes more and more panicked as they come to realize that something's wrong or that they're the people on the ground aren't really in control of what's going on or that they're not really able to help so it's just a very terrifying thought and especially too if it's just this person's death went completely unaccounted for or if, or if it was covered up that's even scarier so now i want to kind of flip the coin on its head and i want to talk about how all of these theories and all of these crazy recordings and everything were uh, widely dismissed as being forgeries. So much like getting into space, there's a lot of science behind it, and there's a lot that can be kind of explained away. So it kind of creates this this void that kind of gets a lot of people kind of that don't really know about the topic. They kind of get sucked into of being like, well, it's, you know, I, I, because of science, that's why I lean on this side of it not being true. And then other people being that are just so, so engrossed in the drama of it all, they want it to be true that they go, no, that's not true because of this, this, and this, and they would have covered it up for X, Y, and Z. So it just creates this big black hole of bullshit that, a lot of stuff that gets soaked up into, much like a lot of conspiracy conspiracy theories or or just kind of current event stories, 
they just all get muddled down with just a lot of this. So I just want to kind of take a moment to kind of go through here, just a time to talk about some of the science behind this. So a lot of these, a lot of these conspiracy theories of um, the USSR kind of shooting these cosmonauts into space, um, and then just hoping that they make it or just knowing that they'll fail. It's it's not entirely true. So there was a lot of these like accusations against the the Soviet space program um, of there being like just attempted like knowing that they were gonna do moonshots, which is trying to like get a man to the moon. So, but a lot of these Luna probes that were sent there had no room to fit a person inside of them. Let alone like additionally, when you you got to account for like oxygen, food, um, the equipment for the person to be able to like survive in that environment. So, and if you haven't known yet, if you haven't, like, even read a book or watched a movie, space is freaking scary, man. Like, it is a giant black void of complete hell, that whole, you know, there's, there, like, compared to the ocean, like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all that's going on, like, that times 10. So, people are always arguing that the ocean is going to be scarier or that space is scarier, but I I don't know, man. They're pretty much on par with each other. At least we know that there's monsters in the ocean. Like we're just we're still trying to figure out if there's monsters in space. I feel like the environment alone in space is the monster itself. So, anyway, I'm getting off topic here. So, back to it. The the Corbel Sputnik 1, um, which was like the, the pods and everything um, that these spacecraft that they were kind of mentioning of like, you know, failing to reenter. Um, the Corbel Sputnik 1 had no reentry shield. Um, so there would be no way to survive reentry. So even if the Soviets knew that they were putting people in these rockets, they, they already knew from the get go that, that these people weren't going to survive, which is completely absurd. You know, you wouldn't think that people would treat them that way or like a country to treat their people that way that's just absurd am i right <laughs> so and that's the thing too is the u.s like the soviets even though they were in a rush to get up there like i'm sure they were they were all about disposable vehicles so they knew from the start that it wasn't coming back to earth in one piece so and then it's funny too gangrenin or get gagrenin gagrenin <laughs> oh, i'm sorry acknowledged a lot of these like um theories and accusations in his biography um just either dismissing them completely or um stating that they were um tests that were like ended in error uh or kind of ended in catastrophically but these were tests of like high altitude launches which that like if that's his way of being like oh well they didn't die in space so it doesn't count that's a li- <laughs> that's a little messed up so, and then too, you got to remember when the U.S. This was all going when the USSR was still a state. So this was like when the Soviet Union was happening. Um, but the state fell in 1991, and when that happened, all of these declassified documents um, from all these like declassified Soviet documents came out, and there was no evidence, or there was nothing mentioning of any like lost cosmonauts or anything like that. And I think it would be damn near impossible for something such as like a space launch to complete be go completely undocumented, no matter how top secret it is but then again i'm just some dude trying to make a podcast that doesn't know anything about you know international security or anything like that so who who knows man anyway so and then to just kind of touch on these audio transcripts they showed that 
these like these audio transcripts especially the ones that like the one that i read they were completely out of character for what you would see in like a standard comms like so audio transcripts these they show that there was no standard comms like communications protocol being used um so there was none that were followed and you're so like a lot of these military operations especially too these these people are supposed to be soviet air force pilots so they already know that there's going to be they're going to have to use like call signs or identifying when speaking and then also too there's a lot of like shorthand and technical terminology that's used in this so you don't see any of that it's almost like it's just kind of absurd or almost like they're just shooting a civilian up into space which hmm that's a little that's a that's a conspiracy theory right there what if what if the ussr wasn't using uh soviet air force pilots uh for their testing and they were just shooting random civilians up into space that would be wicked messed up so but it's not too far off i, I could imagine like i'm sure there's a lot of people back there in poverty and they just get some military official knocking on their door like Hello, would you like to go into space for the motherland? And they're like, hell yeah, baby, send me up there. And they're like, hey, they're down with it. So too, I'm, I'm sure they're just like, hey, we'll give you friggin' $30,000 to go up into space for us. And they're like, I get $30,000 and I'm going to be a national hero. Of course I'm going to do this. And then they end up dying on reentry because they knew they were going to like the, <laughs> oh man, this conspiracy theory is all over the place, man. So... But anyway, yeah, just kind of back to it. These these people, they were supposed to be like trained professionals or trained military professionals. So just the transcripts that these brothers were putting out just were a very out of character. So it's almost hokey. Um, and then you get these like trans these transmission transcripts included just like jagged sentences or complete nonsense. Like for an example, the one. Like, back to the one transcript that I read, it being like, our transmission will now begin, or our transmission begins now. Like, it doesn't really, it's completely out of, doesn't make any damn sense, because the transmission's already occurring, right? Like, I don't know. Anyway, and then, then too, these people just talking in jagged sentences, almost as if, and even on the recording, I don't speak Russian, but if that's, like, not native Russian, or if it's, like, someone who doesn't speak natively Russian, that kind of leans into my conspiracy theory of, hmm, maybe they're just using test dummies to, to try and win the space race, hmm, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't care, I, <laughs> anyway, so that's just kind of these these bits and pieces here that just kind of take apart or kind of debunks this I don't know this this whole mess of bullshit with people claiming that they were being shooting innocent people or letting people die and then just kind of like covering it up which is really really freaking messed up. So and then also to these crews that were claiming or that like these like transmissions claiming that these crews were on escape velocity well a lot of these rockets that were being used, it was a standard type of a Vostok 3KA, um, and that, the type of particular uh, spacecraft can't reach escape velocity. Um, so because of their designs, they don't include secondary propulsion systems, which wouldn't make it even possible for them to get to that point of losing or getting to escape velocity. And a propulsion system for a rocket, I'm not a rocket expert, but just from the little research here, it's just parts of the engine uh, that provide the thrust for the vehicle itself. So there isn't any uh, secondary propulsion on those types of vehicles there. So... And that's and that's just kind of a bit of I just wanted to to talk about today just because I thought it was wicked interesting just to 
you know, not only as, you know, just like the fact that you have this like history and conspiracy of people, people believing that, that all these deaths were, you know, covered up just, just to get into space. So, and I wanted to, to kind of close today just by reading a uh, creepy pasta that, that's like perfect for this, um, just this, what I was talking about. So if you've ever never been on the internet before, uh, Creepypasta, it's just like, it's all these crazy stories that you can read and there's all types of different like freaky shit on there. So if you like a good scare and you like a short little story that you can read, you can definitely look that up. So, and also too, like at Creepypastas, if you've ever heard of like Slender Man or anything, that's where it's from. Like that's where it originated from. So the story I wanted to read to you today um, was is called Forgotten in Orbit, and it was written by Swede641s. That's S-W-E-D-E-641. So, freaking shout out to that person. They'll never listen to this podcast, but by God, I want them to know that I freaking love their writing. So, and I apologize again if I mispronounce anything in this story. I just want to be able to share it with y'all. So... Forgotten in orbit. On April 12, 1961, Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin became the first human in space, and also the first to orbit the Earth. But some people believe that Gagarin was not the first in space. He was only the first to return alive. The following is an account of a lost cosmonaut, Gavril Koltsov. June 21, 1960. The Vostok rocket sat on the launch pad at Baikonur Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan, USSR. It was the day of the first attempted launch of a human into space, and with that, orbit. Cosmonaut Gavril Koltsov sat at the Vostok module, ready to make history. A voice came over his intercom. Major Koltsov, how are you feeling this morning? It was mission control. Just fine, sir. Ready to go. Koltsov radioed back. Koltsov's Vostok 3KA rocket looked ready to go. Koltsov was ready to go. Everything seemed as it should have. Seemed. The rocket went through final pre-flight checks and then ignition. It released from the base stabilizers. The main engine and four boosters activated good. Koltsov was accelerating at 200 meters per second, reaching upwards at 300 meters per second. The fuel on the boosters was almost empty. Boosters gone, a voice said over the radio. The four boosters disconnected. The rocket shuddered for a second and kept going, accelerating at the loss of weight. Another minute passed, and the rocket kept going, now at around 50,000 meters above Earth. The fuel on the current stage ran out and it came in time to decouple the stage. The rocket now pitched to give orbital velocity. When the lower half of the rocket decoupled, something didn't feel right to Gavril. He radioed command. Come in, this is Major Koltsov to control. Yes, Major, is everything all right? A voice came back. I just decoupled the stage and something shuddered. It just didn't feel right, he replied. No, no, nonsense, Major. Everything is reading fine down here. Koltsov was now nervous. He frantically scanned his panels, checking everything. His fuel gauge, it was dropping fuel faster than it should have been. He checked his throttle at about 65%, just as it should have been. Command, I'm losing fuel. Throttle is where it should be. Are you seeing anything wrong? On Earth, Mission Control was reading that Koltsov had a fuel leak, most likely caused when the first stage decoupled. Instead of worrying the cosmonaut and informing him, Control did not tell him. If he knew, he would panic and start to attempt a return burn to re-enter the atmosphere. Major, I understand you are under anxiety, but you are fine. Do not worry. You are almost in orbit, Command said, as Koltsov was about to correct the altitude to enter a good orbit. 
Koltsov corrected his heading to get it into a circular orbit. His fuel was nearly empty. It was at 20%. It should be around 70%. What the hell, command? Come in! Come in! I am almost empty! Come in! Koltsov yelled frantically into the mic. Command! Come in, goddammit! His orbit was off. While he radioed command, he accidentally pitched the craft. He was in an escape orbit from Earth. He grabbed control and attempted to fix his course, at least to get into elliptical orbit where he could enter Earth's atmosphere to return. He started to pitch, but his craft shuddered and his engine stopped. His fuel was dry. He was hopeless. His craft was stuck in an escape orbit. Koltsov never heard back from command. He tried once more. Command, come in. This is Major Koltsov. I am out of fuel, and I am on an escape orbit from Earth. Is there anything we can do? Koltsov said. He never heard back. He looked through his porthole into a black void. He only had enough food for his planned flight, which was supposed to be three hours. He pitched his craft so he could look at Earth through his porthole. It was getting smaller. He'd ran out of an electrical charge four hours into the flight. His oxygen ran out 22 hours in. He knew he was done for, but he tried one last time to tell command of his situation. Come in, his voice slowed as he had issues breathing. Anyone, come in. This is... This is Major Gavril Koltsov. He could barely finish his sentence. Is there anything... Anything we can do? There was no signal. He was out of oxygen. Out of food. Out of electricity. Out of hope. Gavril looked out the porthole at Earth. The blue planet was beautiful. But the thought gripped Gavril. He would never see it again. He would never see his home, family, or friends. His family would get a telegraph saying he was killed in some training accident, but they would not know that he made history. He had become the first man in space, but he knew that they would not find out. He closed his eyes one final time, drifting away from Earth, forgotten. And that was Forgotten in Orbit by Swede641. So yeah, that's just, I wanted to just kind of throw in that story there just because I thought it was, I, I don't know, for one, it was an amazing, creepy story, and two, it just fit perfectly in in tune with the, the whole uh, cosmonaut conspiracy, or lost cosmonaut conspiracy theories, so... I just wanted to kind of kind of put an end cap there of just letting y'all know that conspiracy theories are super fun and they can be a lot of fun to kind of talk about and kind of de- like take apart and everything, but you should never let them consume your life. And if you ever do kind of get into a conspiracy theory, do your research and make sure that you don't go and tell like 50 people about it and then realize that you just misinformed like 50 people. So but as I as I tried to do here to show that there's always two sides to a story, so always know that. And I do appreciate you taking the time to listening to listen, listener. Good listening on you. If you want to reach out and make suggestions of what you want to hear me talk about, or maybe just can critique how the podcast is going, you can reach me on Instagram at Don't You Dare Talk to Me Pod, um, or you can or you can also get me on Twitter at Dare Talk to Me. Um, This is Don't You Dare Talk to Me, a podcast with Andrew Adams. Thanks. Bye-bye.